This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, a rough Christmas day for many in Buffalo, New York. Power outages from a blizzard and terrible road conditions left at least 17 dead. China could be experiencing the largest COVID outbreak in the world. The numbers leaked from a meeting of the country's top health body. Is this the end of the line for Carrie Lake? An Arizona judge says yes and dismissed her case, but Lake vows to fight on. President Putin says he's ready to talk, but Russian forces showed no mercy to Ukraine on Christmas Day, carrying out dozens of attacks. And Shen Yun started its 2023 season in Atlanta with a full house performance during the holiday weekend. The performing arts troupe will cover more than 180 cities and more than 20 countries around the world. We hear from audience members. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Monday, December 26th. I hope everybody could stay cozy over Christmas, but it certainly wasn't easy for people in Buffalo, New York. They had to deal with a severe blizzard over the weekend. The storm left thousands stuck at home without power and trapped hundreds in their vehicles. Officials say there has been at least 17 storm-related deaths so far. That total is, up, is expected to go up as more information comes in. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the situation in Buffalo. The severe blizzard in Buffalo over the weekend left many spinning their wheels. The freezing wind and snow prompted a driving ban on all cars other than emergency crews. The icy road conditions left even some rescuers needing rescue. The Buffalo Police Department asked anyone with a snowmobile to help with search and recovery efforts. Officials say around 16% of Buffalo residents had no electricity on Sunday. Whiteout conditions persisted with two to three inches of snowfall an hour south of the city. The death toll is expected to rise as more bodies are identified and confirmed. Emergency crews could not reach some people in time to treat their medical conditions. Others were found dead in their cars or frozen in snowbanks. New York Governor Kathy Hochul said almost every fire truck in the city was stranded Saturday and that tow trucks, utility vehicles and even snow plows were getting stuck. You need to stay off the roads. We've been begging, we've been asking and the vast majority of you have and I'm so grateful for that. But those of you who violate the driving bans, you may think you can go to the store for that six pack, but you are endangering other people and it's frustrating. Hochul says the Biden administration agreed to her request for a federal disaster declaration on Sunday and that around 200 National Guard troops were mobilized in western New York to help first responders bring supplies to shelters and conduct wellness checks. The National Weather Service says some 240 million people in the U.S., more than two-thirds of the population, were under winter weather warnings and advisories on Friday. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The winter storm has claimed the lives of at least 37 people across the nation. Four deaths have been reported in Canada so far. According to PowerOutage.us, over 150,000 homes and businesses were without power yesterday. That's down sharply from the 1.8 million without power they reported early Saturday. The greatest numbers of power outages on Saturday were reported in the New England region. The winter storms battered much of the U.S. down to the southern states. Here's a video from Texas. 
These icicles were found hanging from the roof of a car wash on Christmas Eve Saturday. This video was taken in Lakeway in an HEB car wash. Moving on, busloads of illegal immigrants were dropped off at the home of Vice President Kamala Harris on Christmas Eve in sub-zero temperatures. They were originally headed to New York, but their bus was diverted to Washington, D.C. due to bad weather. Video showed the illegal immigrants getting off and onto buses outside the vice president's residence. Some appeared to be lightly dressed for temperatures as low as 18 degrees Fahrenheit. Some of the immigrants were given blankets and taken to local shelters and a church. It was not clear who was responsible for sending the buses to Harris's residence. However, illegal immigrants were similarly dispatched there by Texas Governor Greg Abbott in September. Several Republican governors have been sending those who cross the border unlawfully to northern states to protest a rise in illegal border crossings. And in related news, a Virginia sheriff announced last week that her office will no longer carry out voluntary cooperation with U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE. A sheriff's office statement reads that it will no longer contact ICE for any releases from their facility, including felony charges. The sheriff said she made the policy changes after she attended a community event organized by some pro-immigration organizations. An Arizona judge on Saturday rejected Republican Carrie Lake's effort to overturn the results of the governor's race. Lake sued Arizona elections officials to challenge the counting and certification of the November election. Her suit alleged that, quote, hundreds of thousands of illegal ballots infected the election in Maricopa County. The lawsuit targeted Lake's Democratic opponent, Governor-elect Katie Hobbs, currently Arizona's Secretary of State, along with top election officials in Maricopa County. The order on Saturday confirmed the election of Hobbs and said it did not find any clear and convincing evidence of misconduct that impacted the outcome of the election. Lake tweeted on Saturday that she would appeal the ruling. In other news, Russian forces bombarded scores of towns in Ukraine on Christmas Day. This, as Russian President Vladimir Putin said he was open to negotiations. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the report. The Russian military reportedly launched more than 40 rocket attacks on Christmas. I believe we are acting in the right direction. We're defending our national interests, the interests of our citizens, our people. I reiterate, we don't have any other choices but to protect our citizens. But Putin claims that Russia is prepared to negotiate what he calls acceptable outcomes. But it's their business. It's not us who refuses talks, it's them. Russian attacks on Ukraine's power stations have left millions without electricity. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said Moscow would aim to make the last days of 2022 dark and difficult. I know the darkness will not prevent us from leading the occupiers to their new defeats, but we have to be ready for any scenario. Despite the attacks, dozens of Ukrainian soldiers celebrated Christmas Day at a church in the northeastern city of Kharkiv. I think that everything will be good. Ukraine will 100% win this war, and after that we will celebrate like it should be, with our soldiers and families, and it will be a celebration that we will never forget. Ukraine's scout organization called PLAST handed over the peace light of Bethlehem to the soldiers. I am the son of the Ukrainian state with its own ancient history. 
This is our tradition. We are Christians and Christmas, no matter when it is celebrated, is always a holiday for our families, for our people as a whole. After the service, soldiers took the flame, which symbolizes peace, to their position on the front line. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Meanwhile, Russia now says it is prepared to resume gas supplies to Europe via the Yamal Europe gas pipeline. Gazprom stopped supplies to the Yamal Europe pipeline running across Poland in May. And what better way to celebrate Christmas than enjoying a beautiful and special performance together with friends or family? That's what audience members are saying in Atlanta, where Shen Yun Performing Arts is back for its 2023 season. Let's take a look. It's just been such a great um, addition to the Christmas season for us and a great uh, way to spend the afternoon with my family. Shen Yun's 2023 season kicked off in Atlanta at the Atlanta Symphony Hall on December 24th with a whole new performance. I can't think of uh, any better place to be than right here. This is something I'd, I feel like I would do every single year. From dance to music, Shen Yun aims to bring back the lost Chinese culture through art. Now I came here expecting to see beautiful dances and beautiful costumes and scenery, and it's so much more. I, I wasn't expecting to hear the history. I have a new appreciation for the Chinese culture that I didn't know about before this. It was a fabulous performance and a lot of variety. So not just dance, but song, and also uh, the instruments were fantastic. The orchestra is what stood out most to me because it wasn't like people um, dancing and moving to a track. It was real performing. Audience members say this is the best way to celebrate Christmas with family. It, I want to say it's like the, um, like for years and years and years, people go to see the Nutcracker Ballet at the holidays. I want to see Shen Yun every holiday because it's that uplifting and it's victorious and it's live and it's real and it's colorful. Some felt enlightened after the show. Very, very inspired following this. So hopefully uh, everyone else that's here, there are hundreds of people here tonight, and hopefully through this whole show, will, everyone will walk away more inspired. Absolutely gorgeous. The way that the, the backdrops um, interact with the performers and uh, just the whole technology with the art is fascinating. Actress and owner of Marietta Theatre Company, Gina Ann Riggs, saw Shen Yun with her family for the first time. Her son, Chandler Riggs, who is also a well-known actor, said Shen Yun has some of the most talented performers he has ever seen. I can't imagine all of the hours that went in to getting ready for these types of performances and um, great job. Bravo. Because of high demand, organizers added an extra performance in Atlanta where Shen Yun will continue to perform until January 8th. Be it proclaimed that we, the members of the Atlanta City Council, on behalf of the citizens of Atlanta, do hereby recognize the global sensation of Shen Yun for its divine experience and its contributions to the city's art and music community. Atlanta City Councilman Alex Wen came to the theater to present a proclamation to celebrate Shen Yun's return to Atlanta. Um, I'm pleased to represent the city today uh, in both recognizing the performance and the, the tour, but also the organizers and the presenters. I just wanted to make sure that we acknowledge the importance of the um, art as well as the uh, significance of uh, the teachings. Shen Yun will be performing in more than 180 cities in over 20 countries on five continents over the next six months. The show will cover 42 states in the U.S. alone. I think that they all need to come and see it. <laughs>
Coming up, China could have the largest COVID-19 outbreak in the world. If the leaked numbers from the country's top health body are accurate, up to 37 million people are contracting the disease every day. And German police divers may have a clue about some missing artifacts. It's related to a $120 million heist from one of Europe's largest art collections. That and more coming up in a moment. Welcome back. We're going to China next. China might be going through the largest outbreak of COVID-19 in the world. An estimated 37 million people are contracting the CCP virus every day. That's according to leaked minutes from a meeting of the country's top health body. The leak was confirmed by multiple news outlets. And today's Jeremy Sandberg reports. It's hard to know China's actual numbers when it comes to COVID, as the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, has hardly been forthcoming since the pandemic started. But according to leaked minutes from an internal meeting of China's National Health Commission last week, officials say about 250 million people were infected with the disease in the first 20 days of December. That's about 18% of China's population. The figure is exponentially higher than the regime's official virus tally. If accurate, it would put China's outbreak as the largest in the world. Bloomberg and other media outlets confirmed the notes with anonymous officials involved in the discussions. A screenshot of the conference notes circulating online shows the virus apparently spinning out of control, especially in Beijing and southwestern China's Sichuan province. It appears to have hit over half of the residents in those areas. After nearly three years of strict zero-COVID policy, the Chinese people have been left with little natural immunity against the CCP virus. The minutes cited 12 major Omicron subvariants found in China. The three listed most prevalent are BA 5.2, BF 7, and BM 7. How the agency arrived at these figures remains unclear, as the country abandoned mandatory mass virus testing earlier this month. But the numbers do appear consistent with anecdotal evidence of a spike in infections and deaths nationwide, including among the CCP's elite circle. The numbers also align with analysis by UK researchers projecting up to 279 million cases nationwide, with up to 2.1 million deaths. The virus surge has overloaded morgues and hospitals across China. Experts predict the peak in the whole country will come in January, when tens of millions of people travel across China to celebrate the Lunar New Year with family. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Six people are dead and two more were injured after a bus careened off a bridge in northwest Spain. The coach traveling between two major cities skidded off a straight bridge and plunged 130 feet into a river on Christmas Eve. Of the eight people on the bus, only the 63-year-old driver and a female passenger survived. Both were taken to the hospital. Heavy rainfall in the area created a strong river current. This delayed the rescue operation for nearly two hours before resuming yesterday morning. Officials declared the search and rescue had concluded as experts engineered a safe way to extract the bus from the river. The cause of the crash is unknown, but the region's president said bad weather could have been the issue. The driver tested negative for drugs and alcohol. About 20 German police divers searched a canal in Berlin on Sunday. They're looking for clues into the 2019 jewel heist at Dresden's Green Vault Museum. And Flinders Kingsley has the story. 
In January 2022, six men accused of involvement in a robbery of one of Europe's greatest art collections appeared in court. However, the whereabouts of many of the treasures remained a mystery. Dresden police overlooking Sunday's canal search would only confirm that the operation was in connection with the Green Vault robbery. They said it could take several hours to several days. Dresden police refused to say what the divers in Berlin were looking for or why they were there. The defendants are reportedly linked to an Arab immigrant clan and aged between 22 and 27. They are charged with aggravated gang theft and serious arson, according to the Dresden Public Prosecutor's Office. All the suspects are in custody. Two have already been sentenced to four and a half years in prison. That's for involvement in stealing the Big Maple Leaf, a 220-pound gold coin worth nearly $4 million from Berlin's Bodar Museum in 2017. The stolen Dresden collection was assembled in the 18th century by Augustus the Strong, elector of Saxony and later king of Poland. He commissioned ever more brilliant jewellery as a part of his rivalry with France's king, Louis XIV. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. The 77th edition of one of the most grueling yacht events, the Sydney to Hobart race, is underway. Guns fired in Sydney, Australia at 1 p.m. local time today, setting the sailors on their 630 nautical mile journey south to Hobart, Tasmania. Strong winds mean the southern trip may be especially fast this year. The all-time record of one day, nine hours, and roughly 15 minutes set in 2017 may be under threat. Wild Oats is returning this year to attempt its 10th line honors win, the most ever in the history of the race. In the Sydney to Hobart race, there are four clear favorites. Those are the big four 100-foot super maxis, Law Connect, Blackjack, Andu Comanche, and Wild Oats. A very near collision between speed record holder Andrew Comanche and nine-time winner Wild Oats resulted in each doing penalty turns, setting them back early in the race. While the smaller yachts are not likely to finish first, they may receive more prestigious handicap win, which is graded based on size, as well as other statistics. Among the 109-strong fleet, there was an early retirement from the Avalanche yacht due to damages. The winner of the race typically finishes in under 48 hours. And coming up, an author, speaker, and former member of a Senate subcommittee in Virginia shares her life journey and how she made her way back from the streets battling addiction. This next story is about Lisa Kratz Thomas. While she's an author, a speaker, and a former member of a Senate subcommittee in Virginia, you won't believe her story because all that's after she made her way back from the streets battling addiction and financing her addiction by selling her body. She told me more about her life story. And a lot of people say to me, well, didn't you have a good upbringing? What, you know, what made you feel this way? And I have to say, I believe it's the evil in the world. You know, um, those evil forces start to work on our mind and, and our, our, our feelings and our emotions very early in life. And as things, as I progressed into my teenage years, um, things were just, um, they were just out of control. My thoughts, uh, I had no value. So the first opportunity I got to escape, I took it with alcohol. And uh, I drank for about a year, and then I started smoking pot, and then I got introduced to cocaine, and then I was introduced to crack. And crack uh, really was the love of my life. I was willing to give up family, friends, uh, everything I had just so I could get and stay high. Um, 
I was, uh, at that time I was involved with my boyfriend turned pimp and, uh, I got into prostitution and I lived on the streets of Washington, DC for about a year and a half. Um, and that's a far way to come from a middle-class family with two parents uh, that never got divorced. My dad worked every day and it was just the, the, the thoughts, you know, the battlefield is within our mind. And I'll tell you, there was a war going on in my mind. Wow. Yeah. And, um, I mean, there are women out there that have similar stories or life stories. And as someone that has been in their shoes, what is it you would like to tell them knowing what you know today? Well, I'd like to say that don't ever believe that there's no hope. There is hope. It is uh, right around the corner. But we have to get to a point where we are willing to look for it and accept it. And I can tell you it is there. And uh, I would say that God loves you and that, there's, that, that he has a plan for your life, a plan for you to go forward and to be productive and, and to reach the destiny that he has for you. I could have never believed you know, 30 years ago when I was living on the street and, and selling my body for a $25 uh, rock of crack cocaine, that one day I would have had the opportunities that I've had. And it's really because I just did the thing that led to the thing that led to the thing that led to the thing. And that's what, that's what you have to do. And it's possible for you to turn your life around and to move forward. I mean, coming such a long way is one thing, um, picking yourself up, um, throwing yourself that ladder to basically climb out of the hole. But then there is a thing about, you know, the past, and I'm sure some people will try and hide it. So I'm asking you, was there ever a time when you were ashamed of your past and what's changed? Oh, yeah, I was, I was tremendously ashamed of my past. What's changed is I realized that I am not that same person today. Um, I got to a point where I had to realize that I had to come to terms with the things that I had done. That didn't mean I had to tell the whole world. However, I believe that there was a special mantle on me to be able to tell my story and to tell it openly and honestly. And um, I, I don't have shame anymore. It's one thing that, that was removed from me when I worked the steps of 12 steps. I, I let it go. And every day I would just say, I am who you say I am. And that has been the way that I've walked through that. And, and there are times that I feel uncomfortable and, and, and that I just don't feel qualified to do things. And you know what? I just have to do I'm afraid. And, uh, you know, the shame will dissipate, the guilt dissipates, and you just keep walking and taking that next step until one day that compulsion to feel that way about yourself is removed. And um, it's, it's just such a gift. Mm. And what are your goals now? My heart has been um, for the last 26 years to work with men and women that are incarcerated and getting ready to reenter back to society. I was there. I know how difficult it was. And I can tell things from a different perspective. I can, I can teach them from a different perspective because I've been there. And uh, it is, there, there's, I've never been higher than when I'm standing in a prison presenting my reentry workshop and I see the lights come on in these men and women and they honestly feel that they can make it, that they are valuable. It brings me to tears even after 26 years of doing this because they feel that no one loves them. 
we've all done things. We've all had mistakes. We, we have consequences we have to pay. No one's consequence should be alleviated. However, when they have paid their debt, it's time for them to start. They need a second chance. And um, that is, that's just something that excites me. And I, I just love to help people see all that they can be. Well, thank you so much, Lisa Kratz Thomas, for sharing your story. That was, it's absolutely incredible. And I think one thing that's really recurring um, throughout all those interviews is the kindness to sh that you have to show other people to help them overcome these things. So that's a big takeaway for me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Evelyn. It's been very nice. What a strong woman. And you know, she said at one point she just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that's when she felt like she had to turn things around. And that's when she got away from that boyfriend she was talking about. Um, she was sleeping in people's garages instead at first until she could go on and afford a recovery program um, where she found people essentially that truly cared for her and showed her kindness. And that's when things turned around for her. Wow, what a story of redemption. I know, absolutely incredible. All right, we're ending the program here on that note. Don't forget to write us at goodmorning at ntd.com. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.